0: Well, <clears throat> I uh, we've been going through John. We did the Christmas story last week. And I don't know, I started off the week and I, I read through like where we had left off the next little part. And to be honest, it just sounded like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't have any idea. So then I thought, I'm just gonna, let me see what someone else has had to say about that. I'm gonna look at like a commentary first. I usually like, do that a little bit later, but I was just at such loss, and so I thought, well, I'm going to pick someone rather, because I just, the contemporary people kind of just say things that, like, kind of key me off sometimes, so I'm just going to, like, skip that. Let me go to someone that, like, wrote something, like, hundreds of years ago. Like, maybe that would be, like, a great place to start. Just see what kind of insight they have, and I'm Sure, they'll probably be like bashing the Pope or something like that, but I, that's fine. I, I don't, it doesn't really key me off, whatever. And so I went to this guy and he said, well, the problem with talking about this passage is that John keeps bringing up the word love and that just causes, he didn't use this word, but the effect of it was, it just causes everyone's eyes to just sort of glaze over. And what he did say was, is, you know, it just everyone just assumes that they've already heard that, and they just want something new and novel to be said about that. And he says, "And the truth is, John is actually saying something other than that." But no one ever will accept it. Or, or thinking, not, "Okay, well, that was really encouraging," um, because that's kind of the impression I got. It was just sort of like, "Blah blah blah." I really couldn't see anything in it. That's not an encouraging way to start when you have to like go up in front of a bunch of people and say something. But I, I feel like the Lord really did bring some stuff out for me and, and I hope um, he does that for you today. Uh, John and it starts off here right at the beginning. Uh, John says uh, dear friends in this version and your version it probably says a, a a better word which is beloved. And what that word "beloved" or the difference between "dear friends," "beloved," or what that the word that he uses in the Greek is a word that, at its base, means um, I don't know how to say it. Uh, that mechanism by which, by necessity, makes me content. In other words, like it's. I can't be content. And it's not just happy, but it's like content in the happy sense of just really feeling content in life. And you know how we're just always sort of chasing after feeling content, and then you get something, and it's like you're immediately discontent. So He's saying, like, the real thing that's the, that's the necessity that's going to make me content is you guys. And when it's applied to a person like that, That's that word, beloved. And it's used to describe like, you know, God, Jesus, all sorts of things. And, you know, a lot of times what's different about what John is saying is when we hear that word love, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor, that's a summation of the commands of God. He's going to talk about, he brings this up about the commands. He says, I'm not writing a new, but an old one. We'll get to that. But whenever we hear that, we just think, well, this is... We think of like some sort of act or love or some sort of new or novel way to love. You know, how how am I going to, you know, be a good person? And what he's saying here right off the bat is here's a different way. It, it, It is that, but here's a different way to look at it. You actually need the people around you in order to be content. I know you feel like you can just sort of go find some other people or like this group is not going to be content here. Let's hope that you're content. But what he's saying is, is, I need you in order to be content. You know, if you think about a commandment, go love this person. I mean, that's not necessarily going to get you to actually love the person. But when you start to realize, like, no, actually, I need that I need you in my life. I can't be content without this working out. That's a different way to look at it. And what's interesting about John that we know from the histories, he didn't choose this group of people. It's not like he went around and tried to pick out the group of people that he most wanted to be with. He was there in this area and to the group that he's writing because he was him and all the people that he did hold dear and the church that he was at in Jerusalem and with his people there, the Roman government had oppressed them and pushed all of them out so that they were homeless and fleeing and immigrants, and he was now in a place that he really didn't want to be with people that he had never... In other words, it's important to understand because sometimes when we think about the people that we need, we always think we want to be the one to make that choice. (laughs) But that's not what he's saying. (laughs) What he's saying is, is... even though, you, on the one hand, you could say what's inferred the oppression of the Roman Empire brought us together. What he's really getting at is, no, Jesus brought us together. And a lot of times, God will bring us together with people and has brought us together here on Sunday. And a lot of times, there's other reasons that we think that are there. But he says it doesn't matter. Even if it's oppression that's brought us together, we're together, and I need my contentment is dependent on us. Now, how does that work out? He says I'm writing to you. He says. Um, Sorry. I, I'm not writing to you a new, or what it is, a novel command, but an old one. A lot of times when we start to go down that road, we, we go down it first of all on sort of a self-righteous thing. I need to do this, I need to do that. But what he's saying we should really go down that road thinking is, is I really need for this person to be in my life. And and if I'm going to need this person to be in my life, we crave to have some sort of novel way of that working out. And what that means is, you know, I I need to know, sort of improve my communication skills. (laughs) I need to learn how to sort of be honest with this person or I need to learn how to, you know, I hear this phrase a lot, use my quarter when it's, you know, you have to earn the right to be able to. We we have all these different things that people talk about that are sort of new and novel ways to say the same thing, which is basically what we roll our eyes at. You just need to love the person. We need love there and for it to work. And so we're just craving to have some sort of novel way. And he says, I'm not really giving you any new way to work this out, in that sense. But, he says, I am, he says, this is what you've heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing to you a new command. It's truth, and the word truth is what's made obvious. So he says, it's obvious in him, Jesus so he says, "What I am talking about is something new, that's made obvious in Jesus and in you. So it's something that's obvious about Jesus and obvious about us, because the darkness is already passing away, and this obvious light is already, it's already becoming more and more obvious to us. And what is it that he's been talking about that should be obvious?" in this situation and concerning us. He says, at the first chapter we read, he said, anyone who says they're without sin is a liar and the truth is not in them. It's pretty obvious that we need each other and we may not really think about that a lot of times, but we need each other. But what's obvious about that is it's just not working out. (laughs) You know, how many times, I was just talking to a young guy I hadn't seen in a while this week. And I said, hey, how's things going? He goes, Greg, hey, great, you know, and where are you working, and this and that. And he says, oh, yeah, you know, I work blah, blah, blah here. And it's like, oh, how's that going? He goes, oh, you know, it's okay. And it's like, oh, what's wrong? He goes, well, you know, there's just a lot of drama at work and this and this and this. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> that's the way it is <laughs> for, you know. It's like, well, how's holidays or family? You know, it's not like, well, there's, you know, we know it should be pretty obvious that our contentment depends on us at work, in our neighborhood, with our neighbor, at church, wherever it is in our family, our contentment depends on. Us getting along. I mean, at least let's be courteous or something, you know, or something like. Just get us. I know it. We're not going to actually love each other, but can we at least pretend like it or something like that? It's obvious we've got trouble here. (laughs) And what he says is some new and novel way to fix the problem. It should be pretty obvious. That's not actually what we need. What we need is Jesus. Jesus in the sense of we need a savior. We need salvation here. So he's saying, look, here's a better way to look at this. We all know it's obvious we need each other. It's obvious. Everyone, you don't even have to be a believer in Jesus. The whole world knows we need to, we need each other and we need to start loving each other to get along. And the whole world, not just the church, is looking for all sorts of new and novel ways to establish this, to get boundaries, to do this, to do that. It's full of all that. But what's most obvious is when you look at our life, and you look in the news, you look in history, we need a savior. We need someone. And you think, well, that just isn't going to happen. Well, that's, yeah. Jesus is t- it's talking about something that's impossible. <laughs> what we need is for there to be a God who loves us and to step in to that situation and to change it. <laughs> and there really is no hope other than that. <laughs> uh, unless Jesus is going to step into this situation and change it, and you say, well, that just can't ever happen in this situation. That, that's what... You know, the story about Jesus is, yeah, with us, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And what he's saying is, instead of going in and trying to figure out, well, I, at least on my part, am going to do the right thing so that when this fails, it'll be their fault. Well, that's fine, but that hasn't fixed anything. <laughs> instead of spending all our energy on that, which isn't going to do anything, and he's going to talk about what it actually does in a second. Just ask Jesus to change it. And the reason why we don't, we'll get to that too, is that we just really don't believe that Jesus is our Savior. If we believed that Jesus, and that's what he's saying, we're growing in as we grow in our belief that Jesus really is going to save us, and if we're starting to apply it, the likely place would be when that tension mounts with people that you know. I, I, this is, I'm not going to be able to be content unless this is fixed, and there's no way I can fix it, and it may be completely their fault. Whatever it is, however it is you want to paint the picture, you can just say, well, there is one hope and that hope would be that God's just going to step in and do a miracle. <laughs> and I don't really see how that can happen, but that's my only hope. <laughs> he says, that actually should be obvious to us. <laughs> and as it's obvious, that's the light of Jesus that's starting to, to shine. Because then we'll see that as things do work out it was jesus stepping in to to give us what it is that we really need which isn't our car or our house or job or whatever you know those things are all nice but it really the contentment is about a person people that god's put in our life That we're all sinning and we'd be liars to say we're not. And so it's an impossible situation for any of us to get along. But insofar as we do, insofar as there's any contentment, any love to be found, it's a gift, it's a miracle based on God stepping in to change things. And how does God do that? How does Jesus save us? How does he change that? Here's where he goes on. He says, those who claim to be in the, in the light and hate a fellow believer, um, a, a lot of yours will probably say a, a brother. That, that's the literal word, brother. But it's often that used word is sort of applied to like, not just your physical brother, but people often think of it in terms of like, People of the same religion, or some sort of group type thing, and it's oftentimes um, so, so. You know, they, they put, but the the problem with fellow believer is, is it sort of limits the word in a way that I don't think was really intended. And the reason why that is is that the disciples were all followers of Jesus way before they became believers. Uh, they became believers at some point after, on some undefined moment after, they became followers of Jesus. And when you look at all the stories, and you look at uh, Abraham, he started following where God told him to go. He had all these conversations with God. He had God rescuing him miraculously, and then midway through the story, it says he believed God, and it was reckoned him as so righteousness. And we would have never have known that he had believed God Unless God had just stated it as fact, and we just take it for that, Uh, we kind of get a better at the end of the story when He offers sacrifice, and then we might be able to see what was already the case. Uh, In other words, if you're here at church, it says, you know, love your uh, brother. If that just means believer, it's like I mean, you don't have to be a believer to be a part of the church. You just don't. And, And there's. You know quite a few people every church i've been, been at that feel as though they 're a believer and they 're really not, and they become it 's something that that we 're all kind of growing in but but what he 's getting at here is yes he 's talking about the church, yes, he 's encouraging us to all become believers in jesus and, and this hope that he will step in. and do it, and, and we 're all sort of at different places. that, But he's really talking about the group that he's given us to work this all out with. And our contentment depends on that. And what he says is if you hate that person, you're still in the darkness. But those who love their fellow brother or person in that group, non-gender specific, it's just people there. Live in the light. There is nothing in them to make them stumble. But those who hate uh, their brother are in the darkness and walk in the darkness because they do not know where they're going. The darkness has blinded them. Um, Jesus, you know, hate is another one of those words that everyone well, it's not that I hate the person. (laughs) You know, I love them, I just hate all the evil things that they do (laughs) you know jesus sort of clarifies that and just saying look when when you you, you've heard it said you shall not commit murder and and this is what john's thinking about here because he brings that up in the next passage talks about if you hate you've committed murder (laughs) jesus says look if you murder he says i'm telling you even if you when you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder. And he goes, even if you, when you call your brother a fool, within that group of people that God's put into your life, that you know, your contentment depends on. The, the problem is, is when we start going down that road of thinking, here's all these ways I'm going. to It just builds up in us, and we think, oh, it's not hate, but we're pretty upset <laughs> right now. <laughs> we're pretty angry. And fool, well, I'm not, I didn't call them a fool. I would never call someone a fool. They're just, you know, really doing foolish things. (laughs) What he's talking about is in our heart, we're just sort of brewing and, and our thoughts are just sort of there. He says, that's just, Anything that comes out from a heart that's brewing, even if it's just constructive criticism, if that feeling is there, it's just hate coming out. Well, I don't think they should see it as hate. They see it for what it obviously is. You're just throwing hate out at them. And that elevating of ourself over someone else, I, I just need to you know, proclaim to them what they don't know because they're just so... That, that's just hate that's going out. What he's saying is, is look, we don't need some, we just need a savior. <laughs> that's what we need. We need someone that's just going to come in and, and even though we're messing everything up, they're messing everything, somehow, I don't even know how, just come in and change this. <laughs> and the things that we do are, are really based in our heart. And if you notice in here, that there, there's no place in between love and hate. There's no room for indifference in John's conversation. That we need to understand that the reason why we need a Savior is because we're in the habit of thinking we're throwing out holiness at people, but we're really just throwing out hate. And no one wants to admit that and no one wants to see that. But we're always doing that and he says what we need what the situation calls for if it is to be solved it's only going to be solved by a change of heart if you have a change of heart, I have a change of heart the people we're angry at have a change of heart if everyone in whatever group (laughs) that our contentment depends on ends up having some sort of change of heart. That's a step in the right direction. And that change of heart is never, ever, ever going to come from hate. Hate isn't necessary. It doesn't solve anything. Any form of it all the way down. The only thing that's going to change it is a heart that's changed. And that's what Jesus is doing. And that's what our hope is. Our hope is that somehow Jesus is going to step into the situation and and save us and save them and through that salvation is going to start changing our hearts. Now how, how is that? That our hearts start to change through Jesus saving us is sort of the next Question that you would lead to and, and he writes kind of a poetic thing that's kind of maybe lost on us but it's really interesting I'll, I'll read it just here to close I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name I am writing to you fathers or, or in other words it's I have written children, I have written fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I have written or am writing to you young people because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, changes the tense, dear children, because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who was from the beginning. I write to you young people because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil. And he, he restates the same thing again. And he divides things up between three things a young child, father, in the sense of an older, someone who's had some time, thinking about, and then the in between, uh, young. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm always amazed that even though. I'm 50-something now. There's a lot of people that still look at me and just say, oh, he's a young man. (laughs) So it's quite a stretch there, to the young man. It's not just, you know, young in whatever sense we might think. But there's a... In other words, he's pointing out, he's using, and oftentimes in Greek culture and philosophy, there's this division that's there. And he's saying, you know, if you take, for example, the life of a man. There's a. There's when you're young, youth. There, there's the young man or the thing in there, and then there's the older self. And you know, oftentimes they talk. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. But there's lots of Greek philosophy. Never mind. They didn't mind old people back then. They thought of it as a good place to. But it's really not. But anyways, I I don't know why I'm going there. Okay, all all he's doing is he's just bringing out in life these three things. And and what's he saying here? At at the beginning, this is where it starts. We we know what's obvious. We know there's these people here. Whatever it is that's brought us together. And, And we know that now that we're together our contentment is just completely dependent on whether we're going to get along. We could be doing the best work ever, but if we're not going to get along, then it's just going to be horrible. We also know that we're just constantly messing that all up and that this is virtually impossible for this to happen, which is why we're feeling like we just need to flee and go somewhere else, but it's just going to start up all over again. So we need for this to work out at some point... What's our hope? What should be becoming more and more clear to us is our only hope is a miracle, Jesus coming in. And what we need is for our hearts to be changed. How how does Jesus start doing? He says, the beginning is forgiveness. Realizing that we need forgiveness. And he says, that's sort of the the basis of, of where we start. That's what begins to start to change our heart. When we start thinking out of anger, I'm getting this right and they're not that, and that doesn't change our heart. Thinking that I'm going to be, there's nothing in here that says like, oh, here's where it all starts. When you become a better person than that person, then your heart will be, no. <laughs> He's saying the beginning of it is, is just realizing what Jesus said. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's no one good but God alone. Just realizing our need for forgiveness and the love that God has for us that becomes clear on that. That once we realize all the good things in my life, I really don't deserve it. I'm really not entitled to it. It's there and it has to have come just because God's willing to forgive me and he loves me and cares for me. You know, John says, we love because we, he first loved us. Once we start to see that love that you can only see by forgiveness, you can't see it when we're claiming credit for it, but as we see that, seeing the love of God that's seen through forgiveness, that starts to do a work in our heart. It starts to change us. It starts to soften it a little bit. Then he doesn't talk about the middle part. He talks about the end, the goal, And he says, what what you start to realize as you get older, that the end goal is actually just about knowing someone. He says, look, you can look at all these commands, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, love your name, I need to do this, I need to do this. Look, what God's really looking for is for you to know him, to come to know him. And he says, know him in the sense that we're, he was there from the beginning. In other words, that he's been in my life way back when I knew I was messing up. He was still there, and, he's, and you come to know him. If it says, love your neighbors, yourself, how's that extended? That the goal isn't that, you know, we're never going to mess up. That that's not actually required to get to know someone. The goal is that we're never going to be content together until we really we're going to need to really get to know each other. And how do we get to know each other? As it turns out, this is one of the miraculous things that the salvation of God does. And as you grow older and you experience this over and over, you start to realize this happens. That this is—I don't know how to explain it. A lot of times, you'll be in that group. There'll be a person, and that's there. And that person will persist there. It could be family member. It could be whatever. I, I, I don't know. It could just be someone at work that you're there for. But in other words, it's talking about time. As you realize this as you get older. It takes some time to get to know someone. And and one of the things that happens over time is that person will start doing some really hateful things to you. (laughs) And you'll see it for what it is hate. You won't notice all the hateful things that you do, but that's okay. We're just not going to see that. But we will see all the hateful things that they do in some sort of sense. And there'll come this moment, and it's like a God-given moment where for whatever reason that forgiveness is sort of just... And it's not even like, oh, I forgive this person. It's just like there will be this like moment of an attitude of forgiveness that's like plastered down, even though you're feeling angry or so There'll be this moment of quiet and calm that comes. And out of that, the person will tell you something deeply hurtful sometimes that has happened to them in the past. And you'll realize, oh, that's where that's coming from. And you'll have some grace for them. And it's a moment that God gives us. And even though there was hate coming out, there was this, you come to know them in a way that you never would have otherwise. And there's a closeness and a contentment that starts to come from that. That, That's nothing short of a miracle. But that's how, it's not just all just, you know, this like mythical thing of change your attitude, change your mind. God's going to actually do some real things to help us get to know each other in a way that we just never would, even though we're just sort of messing things up with each other. And that leads to why he, talks about the next point, which is the young man, and he says that, that they overcome the evil. and, the, and the, what, 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 It's a difficult thing to translate. What he's saying is, is basically, um, you've survived the toil of oppression from the evil one. In other words, What's the process going to be? Is it going to be, well, I'm just so glad we've become great communicators or I'm just so glad that we finally learned how to love each other. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but what you might be able to say is, we, we survived. <laughs> you know, There was toil and oppression. And, and it's very interesting because he says, there's something else pushing this forward, that's causing this toil. And it's just like what I said, that you, you'll you have this moment where you realize this person experienced something very painful in the past, and now that's pushing them to act this way towards me. And, and I see that, and it doesn't necessarily change the situation or whatever, but, but he's saying, the process is, you've got this group, we're really kind of messed up, We should be loving. We're going to end up throwing out a bunch of... It's desperate. We need for God to be willing to step in and change the situation. And even though our prayers are that he would change the situation by picking this person up and putting them on an island by themselves so they can't be around anyone. God hears that prayer, but he's got a better way of solving it. (laughs) It's not, you know, lock this person up or something like that. It's just he's saying, here's how I'm going to change it. Let's start with your heart and their heart. And when you come through, the wonderful thing is the contentment is found in coming to know someone and coming to know God and know that he's with us. And as you come to know that God is with us, that God is saving us, that he's there, that we have the option of just asking for God to to step in. It gives us this moment where we just realize what we've accomplished in this life is we survived it. (coughs) And you may think, well, that's not, I want to be a conqueror in this life. There's a lot of contentment that comes in just surviving (laughs) And what he's saying is, yeah, you're going through something tough. He went through something tough. Now imagine being able to, you know, forcibly removed from your homeland and forced to find a home somewhere else where you're. That's a tough situation. But he says, whatever I've, I'm here. And my contentment is in the people that God's put together. I really need to get to know them. And as I get to know God, that opens that up. And what he's saying is is when we're going through something really tough, the hope really is that we can survive it and we can survive it together. And and that's the hope that we have in Jesus. And and we're not going to be able to get new and novel ways to survive. It's just a hope That's seen in Jesus that that we're going to look at here when Easter comes around. But the hope with Jesus was, look, Pilate, you can do whatever you want to do. But I'll survive. And what happened was he was killed on the cross. And then God raised him from the dead. And so whether in this life or the life to come, the promise is salvation. Salvation. And it is surviving. But it's surviving with what's really of importance. It talks about when we get to heaven, there'll be, you know, the, ne- the, the words that are used are fire that just sort of burns away all the hay and, and stubble and uh, what's left of value. What's left of value in our life isn't our cars or our money or our houses or retirement or even our job. or what, What's valuable is the people we've come to know and God who we've come to know and being able to see that he's been there saving us all along in that building, that, that faith and that belief in, in Jesus as our savior. And so we'll be surviving but we're surviving with something very valuable, uh, each other. Let's pray. Um, As sort of the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if, uh, if the Lord's really put on your heart that you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you haven't made a decision to do that, but you'd like to ask for forgiveness of sins and like to start this journey of believing in Him and coming to know what that means. Uh, Raise your hand, and and I'll pray with you right now. Okay. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, we just uh, thank you for being so good to us. Help us to really just be able to finally see what should be obvious to us, that we need you. We need you to save us. Lord, I pray that we would just value the salvation that you've been pouring into our life from the start. Help us to really come to a place where we believe in you. Believe in you saving us. Uh, Saving us in the life to come and saving us uh, even here in these different situations with loved ones and and people that that should be loved ones. Lord, I pray that you would just bring us out and help us to survive all these attacks of the evil one. And just bring us contentment and and love uh, together. As miraculous as it may be. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, Let's stand and sing these last couple songs. And if you have anything that you would like prayer for, I'll, I'll be up here. Some other people come up too.